are people who are uh, actually uh, in Holland, in uh, many parts of uh, Europe, you have this idea of the dissenters who actually are dominant, right? And of course, uh, they are also the pilgrim fathers, or yeah, these are people who, because they're dissenters, they're persecuted in Europe, right? And uh, they're kept out of many things, and they're, they're treated very badly. So the only way that they think that they can survive is by going to the United States, and that's how you have a, a ship which is called uh, the Mayflower, right? Which takes uh, the dissenters principally uh, to uh, the United States, right? Yeah, but of course, on the ship, they are Catholics and Protestants also, and also what happens is they take old world ideas, that's ideas of Europe, to the United States and uh, inculcate their religion over there. Yeah. Anyhow, thanks for that question, and uh, yeah, it's important that uh, you ask such a question. Anybody else has any problems with dissenters? Please ask. Right? Yeah. It was my misfortune, perhaps, to be bred up among dissenters who took. Uh, with two jaundiced and I and others and yet too high a value at their own peculiar pretensions, right? Yeah, now uh, the idea of pretensions, we all have pretensions but we don't uh, address them, right? Like we might pretend that we are academics, many of the, the teachers pretend that we are academics, right? And we might pretend that we are liberal, we might pretend that we are feminist, we might pretend that we are socialist, right? And we might pretend also the things. And the idea is we have a lot of pretensions, right? So he's talking about the pretensions of the dissenters, right? And the dissenters think that they're purer than other people, right? Yeah? And because they're purer than other people, it's talking about being pure and the form of worship is concerned, right? So it's taking on uh, uh, people who are uh, traditional Catholics and Protestants who still believe or they still have their churches full of statues, right, which is something that the, uh, the Puritans don't believe in, right, and you have different kinds of uh, Puritans, like for instance you have the Methodist, uh, I don't really know what they actually stand for, but you have the Salvation Army, right, so you, they look at themselves as a kind of an army and all the people who belong to them have, or at least the, the church leaders, have a kind of a, a military uh, kind of dress even that they wear, right? Yeah, so they are talking about, uh, so that's one of the categories, right? And then you get the congregations, you get the Presbyte, uh, Presbyterians, uh, yeah, so, and there, there are many, many other groups which perhaps we don't know about, right? Yeah, so uh, I don't know about them, right? But uh, uh, they're an interesting lot of people and the most important thing, uh, in fact, when I was doing American literature, uh, there's a book by, uh, what's the guy's name? Yeah, I've forgotten his name, right? Anyhow, uh, Malcolm Bradbury, right? And somebody else, right? It's a history book on the history of American literature, right? And it's actually telling us what the Puritans do, what, which was so important and so, uh, so great, right? The, important, the most important thing that the Puritans do is they tell you to read your text, right? Yeah, which is what Manu also tells you, right? And of course, Manu has got a horrible book called the Manu Smriti or whoever was Manu. If there was one Manu or a hundred Manus, I don't know, right? Yeah, 
but what happens over there is there's only one line uh, which is interesting about Manu, which says, "A Brahmin who doesn't read his text is worse than a Sudra." Right? Of course, it's very prejudiced as a word, okay, and it's a very casteist kind of text, right? But he's telling you the same thing. Please read your text, and if you don't read your text, you don't have a right to call yourself a Brahmin, right? Yeah. Okay. So there are different ideas that you have about how you call. And are you actually practicing what you call uh, your religion, right? Or do you really belong to your identity, right? So the dissenters are people who read their Bible more than anybody else, right? And they rely on the word of the Bible, okay? And of course, they read very carefully, but they also, uh, as human beings, they can also go wrong, right? So they believe in the, uh, they read the Bible sometimes very uh, literally, right? And this line is said in the Bible means it means only one thing, right? Which often happens also to other people who read literature, right? And when they said, this is what the text says and this is what it should mean, or read the law, right? Yeah? So the idea is, how do you understand what you read, right? Yeah? And you can have a literal meaning which is something called denotative, right? Which we normally have in science when we talk about the table, right? Yeah, the table means one thing, right? And the chair means one thing and one thing only, right? So if you say, uh, he's sitting on the chair, right? Yeah, it mean, might mean metaphorically, he holds a position of power, right? Yeah, right? And uh, uh, they would say, well, what's great about the chair, right? Yeah, so you're not talking about the chair as a piece of furniture, but you're talking about the chair as a position, right? So all that kind of metaphor uh, probably is very lo uh, is lost to a person who is a literal reader of the Bible, yeah? And of course, uh, these are dangerous people because uh, as you said, they might put somebody to death. Yes, perhaps uh, that was in history, right? Maybe they don't do that today and I don't think anybody does that, right? Because the laws of the land are far larger, right? But again, uh, the issue is, do they think about the laws of the land uh, as uh, and the laws of religion as superior, right? Which is what is happening today in our country, right? Yeah, the laws of religion are superior to the laws of the constitution, right? Yeah, and the laws of religion for a lot of these people uh, uh, across the board, right? Yeah. Uh, are superior to the laws of the land, right? So they don't believe in that, right? That's what you find in Ben Johnson's Alchemist, right? So he says, well, we don't believe in, in the laws of the land, yeah, because we, uh, and we don't, we don't believe that we are doing a wrong thing by melting coins. That's in, uh, in uh, Ben Johnson, right? Yeah, yeah, so we have our own law, we don't care about the law of the land, right? So that may be a problem with them, right? And that's where religion makes you uh, makes anybody uh, stupid, right? Yeah, and that's exactly where uh, Hazlitt, as an Enlightenment man, is actually taking this up and saying they have uh, you. Uh, you look with two prejudiced, jaundiced, and I are others, right? Jaundiced is we are talking about jealousy, right? Yeah, and jaundiced is a yellow-eyed monster, right? Yeah and set to higher value on their own peculiar pretensions, right? 
So they've been branded as hypocrites from the time of Ben Johnson, right? Because how do you live if you're not going to earn money, right? And what do you enjoy? And the whole idea of when you look at things from a Freudian point of view, right? All your kind of uh, persecutions of the body and of the mind, all those things actually stir up your passions, right? Arouse your sexual desires, all those kind of things keep happening to you, right? And if you say that, if you pretend that you're asexual and don't have all these kind of things, right? That's when your pretensions become, uh, of course, all of us have pretensions and all of us in some ways are hypocrites, right? Yeah? We are not, uh, and anybody who wants to say that they're not hypocrites, right? Uh, will have a problem because we can't, uh, we, uh, yeah, we ignore a lot of things, right? And that's the only honest position that we can have, right? When you, when you have laws against uh, sexuality, you have laws against eating and drinking, right? And you think that you are pure because uh, your laws, you are superior to other people, right? That's a pretension and a very great and a grave pretension, right? Because that's when you, people will look at you as having something very complex, complex and wrong with you, right? Yeah. So that's something that very politely uh, Coleridge is talking about pretensions, right? And we all have academic pretensions. We all have pretensions that we are feminist, we are liberal, all these are pretensions, right? So we have to examine ourselves and that's what the letter is telling us about, right? Put your pretensions over there and examine your pretensions. What do I pretend? We all uh, have all to ask ourselves, what do we pretend? Yeah? We all like to pretend that we are patriots. Yeah? You can find hundreds of things which says that we are not. We all would like to think that we are law-abiding citizens. We are not. In many ways, we are not. Right? Yeah? Yeah, so I, I think uh, the word pretensions is extremely important because how do we free ourselves of pretensions? One is assumptions, the other is pretensions, right? And the uh, when the pretension becomes hypocrisy, that is, I say one thing and I do exactly the opposite, right? That becomes even worse, right? Yeah, so when we call ourselves a democracy, is it a pretension, okay? Or is it absolute hypocrisy to call ourselves democratic, right? Yeah? Or if we say that we are law-abiding citizens, is it absolutely a hypocrisy or is it just a pretension that we say that we are law-abiding, right? Or can one be a law-abiding citizen in a country which is so corrupt, right? So me, maybe you can ask, uh, we have to ask ourselves all that individually and in groups, right? From being uh, pres prescribed themselves, they learn to prescribe others. Now that's what he's doing, yeah, and he, that's what he's saying. And come the end to uh, to reduce all integrity of principle, uh, of principle and soundness of opinion within the pale of their own little communion. Right now, he's saying, and this is true about whatever is going on in India today. Right? Yeah. Uh, so they they are actually limiting themselves and limiting themselves, and they they say that this person is bad and this one is a sinner and that one is a sinner and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and what are they doing to themselves? They are either becoming very hypocritical and they're limiting themselves in many, many manners. Right? Yeah? Uh, uh, right. Yeah? Uh, those who were out of it uh, and did not belong to the class of rational dissenters 
I was led erroneously to look upon as hardly deserving this, the name of rational beings, right? Yeah, so it begins with rationality, right? But then the question of rationality is taken to the limit and the idea of rationality also has its limits, right? Yeah, so you can't uh, go about thinking that you're ultra-rational, right? And you actually might be irrational, right? And that's exactly what he's saying about the dissenters, right? Being thus satisfied as to the select few who are the salt of the earth, it is easy to persuade ourselves that we are the head of them and to fancy ourselves of more importance in the scale of true this desert than all the rest of the world. Uh, it must be dissent, maybe, yeah, uh, put together, who do not interpret a certain text of scripture in the same manner that we have been taught to do, right? Yeah, so now he's saying, at one level, we have to put up with their difference, right? Because they are actually reading the text in a particular manner, right? They're reading the Bible in a particular manner, and everybody has the right to read in whatever way you want provided you keep to the rules of grammar and the interpretation, right? Yeah. And of course, when it comes to the Bible, it becomes even more complicated because it's written in a language uh, which is not the language at all, right? Because it's Aramaic, Arabic, Ancient Hebrew, Modern Hebrew, Greek, uh, Egyptian Greek, and all sorts of other languages. And it's put together by a man called Jerome, right? And uh, uh, many many texts are left out, right? And uh, when we come to the Protestants and we come to the dissenters, they remove a lot of Old Testament texts, right? Yeah. So the Bible is Old Testament and New Testament, right? And uh, 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 today, of course, there is something called the Dead Sea Scrolls because they found these scrolls in the Dead Sea, and there is a lot of archaeological evidence that other portions of the Bible. Maybe should have been included, but they've not been included, right? And now the question is, which churches will take it up and put those uh, those gospels into the main Bible, right? Yeah. So that's a big debate that is going on, right? So if you want to say that you're swearing by the Bible, yeah, that's a big problem because, and if you uh, and many people do this, especially when we come to this question of Israel, right? Yeah, you have a lot of Christians who actually believe that the land of uh, the, the kind of thing that we have over here in Israel today, right, is the Bible says it's God's land. So we have to, uh, it's God's land, right? Now what the Bible is talking about and what is on the ground and what is, what hap what's happening with international politics, these are all different things, right? Yeah. So we can't be so dogmatic and say the Bible says this and this is true and the, every letter is true. I mean, what is the context in which is written? And first of all, uh, the Bible is in translation. Right? Yeah? And we look at all this context and the idea of hist historical time, Christian time and all this kind of thing. Unless we do that, uh, we are not giving you a kind of a reading of the Bible, which is okay. Right? Yeah? And if people can be so dumb as to say, well, I'm sorry for using the word dumb, but they're dumb with a purpose, a political purpose. Right? They're deliberately dumb. Right? They're actually saying, that here the Bible says, and I'm swearing by the Bible, and I can, yeah, what you said is, I can kill for what I believe, right? So that's the the level which it's going to, right? Yeah, because you're sanctioning uh, 
the killing of the Palestinians, right? Whose land it is, right? And most people have the opinion that the Pal uh, with a lot of Islamophobia, yeah, they have the opinion that the Palestinians are, are Arab Muslims, right? Yeah, but the Palestinians are Jews, uh, Christians, and uh, and Muslims, right? They're, that's the kind of religion that they have, right? And here you have uh, the imposition of the Zionists, which becomes this place called uh, Israel, right? So uh, that is one of the examples of where Puritanism can go, right? And where uh, the idea of uh, dogmaticism can lead you, right? Yeah, and if we, if we look at it, the idea is that uh, uh, this is what uh, this man called uh, uh, Hazlitt is saying, right? Yeah. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was led erroneously to look upon as hard, hardly deserving the, the name of rational beings, right? Now the question is, you might have reason, but you might not be rational, right? So you give a reason, and that's something, uh, Hazlitt is of course English, but you have people who give you reasons which are not good reasons, right? Yeah, and the, uh, the, your reasoning can be flawed. And that's why we have something called logic, where we have syllogisms, where we talk about uh, the right kind of syllogism and the wrong, where we talk about a major premise and a minor premise. For example, we have all men have hair. Okay, right? And Aristotle has hair. Therefore, Aristotle is a man, right? Now, the problem is all men have hair, right? Yeah. And you have all rats having hair, right? So Aristotle can also be a rat and not a, not a man, right? Or the, the right kind of syllogism is all men are mortal, Aristotle is a man, Aristotle is mortal. That's, these are hackneyed kind of uh, uh, syllogisms that we have. So you have to get your major premise and your minor premise correct, right? To have what you call the formal logic and the material logic is true. Right? So, this is where Hazlitt becomes very complicated and he's saying, well, when we talk about being rational and we're talking about rationality and we're talking about a rational debate, right? Your question is, you might have reason, but the, you might also uh, uh, reason in a wrong manner, right? So, that's exactly what he's doing over here and uh, he's actually saying, well, these are people who are using reason, yeah? They're using reason and they're also reading the Bible with a lot of honesty and fervor, right? But then the question is, have they gone wrong in their reasoning? Or are they too rational? And that kind of rationality is unreasonable, yeah? So you have something called reasonability with rationality and you have unreasonability with rationality. So we are talking about the rational. Right? And of course we must remember also that the Romantics are people who talk against what you call uh, the idea of reason or the age of reason and the idea of rationality. Right? So they are also using that right? because uh, they are, uh, according to Patricia Vogue, when we talk about what we call postmodern today, we are actually talking about the Romantics. Right? Because the Romantics are the first people who fought against the idea of rationality and talked about the limits of rationality, right? Yeah, so that in that way, uh, Coolridge is also, uh, Hazlitt is also doing the same, 
right? Yeah. And he's talking about how rationality is a problem if you don't use your rationality correctly. You can argue rightly or wrongly, right? Yeah. Uh, I was then, uh, yeah, being thus dissatisfied as to select few who are the salt of the earth, right? Now the salt of the earth is taken from the Bible, right? Where uh, people are said to be the salt of the earth, right? As salt is a pinch which flavors the rest of the earth, right? The many of the Puritans uh, uh, look at themselves as the salt of the earth, right? Yeah, and this is something that uh, the Jews look at themselves as, right? I'm not saying anything against the Jews, right? But when you look at Israel, a lot of Jews are not very happy about being Jews, right? Because the kind of persecutions that are leveled at the Palestinians today is something that much worse than what Hitler did to the Jews, right? Yeah, so uh, that's when uh, everything becomes a problem and many people uh, might accuse us of being anti-Semitic, right? Yeah, that is against the Jews, right? But what happens is the Jews think that they are the chosen people, they are the salt of the earth, they are, okay, and whatever they do is right, right? The same happens to the Americans, right? The Americans actually believe that they, and they call themselves the city on the hill, uh, the light on the lampstand, and they believe that they are God's chosen people, right? And that's where aggression comes from. Right? So the person who asked me about do they kill people? Yes, the Americans do and very subtle ways. They think they're right, always. And they interfere in every country. Uh, if any of you are political science students, you'll know that. They've always uh, had in their policies interference in other people's affairs. Right? And of course, in very cruel ways. Right? Yeah, in the Pinochet regime, uh, they had uh, rats. Uh, inserted into women's vaginas, right? They had dogs to date women, right? They had some of the most horrible things that they did in their prop, uh, propped up dictators in the United uh, in, the, in Latin America, right? And all the Latin American countries hate the United States because they think of themselves as God's own people, uh, the, uh, the salt of the earth and the light of the lands on the lampstand, right? So you might like to. Look at all those different positions when you're talking about dissenters, etc. Right? Yeah? Uh, so, the idea is when you look at yourself as a religious people, I think that's where the problem is. Right? Uh, and if you're more humble, right? Like the Bible should actually teach people to be more humble. Right? If you think that you are uh, the right, self-righteous, then the Bible also talks about the Pharisees. Right? The Pharisees are the priests who think that they are self-righteous, right? And they think that they are right and everybody else is wrong, right? And that's something that you cannot think of, right? So that's exactly where he's going to, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, and in fact, it is easy to persuade ourselves that we are the head of them and to fancy ourselves uh, of more importance in the scale of true desert than all the rest of the world put together, uh, who do not interpret a certain text of scripture in the same manner that we have been taught to do. Uh, you will, from the difference of education, be free from this bigotry, right? Yeah, and bigotry is something that is terrible because it means uh, I am right, you are wrong, and all those kind of things, and you are stubborn 
and say that my beliefs are right. Yeah, and uh, will, I hope, avoid everything akin to the same exclusive and narrow-minded spirit, right? So one is, when you're talking about bigotry, we're talking about excluding other people. Whom do we include? Whom do we exclude, right? And when we say you're dumb and you're stupid and all that kind of thing, right? That's something that the bigot has more than anything else, right? Because I'm right and you're wrong. And when you say that, that's a problem, right? Yeah. So uh, when we're talking about learning, uh, we can't be bigoted, right? We have to be, uh, and we can't be uh, narrow-minded, right? We have to consider everybody and not exclude people, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's what he's saying when he's talking about schooling. He's saying, how can you keep people out, right? And if you can keep people out, what kind of people are you keeping out, right? And uh, if you go, if you want to be educated, you have to consider other people's point of view. Otherwise, that's not education at all, right? Uh, think that the minds of men are various as their faces. Uh, yeah, that the modes of modes and employments of life are numberless as they are necessary. That there is more than one class of merit. Okay, that though others may be wrong in some things, they are not so in all. And the countless races of men have been born, have lived and died without ever hearing of all. Right? Uh, of, sorry, of any of those points in which you take a just pride and pleasure. And you will not err on the side of the spiritual pride or intellectual coxcombry which has been so often the bane of the studious and the learned, right? Now, that's a long, long sentence, right? And he's talking about the, you have various kinds of people and different kinds of people and many people have not heard what you think is great, right? Many people would have never heard of Shakespeare, right? And that's uh, when, of course, we are a small minority of people who come to the universities, right? In India, right? How many people would have heard of Dickens or Hardy or Hazlitt, right? Okay, and many people wouldn't, right? Yeah, and if you are into something like uh, Western classical music, right, or even Indian music or Indian uh, thought, okay, many people would have not even heard of half the people you're studying, right? And that's exactly why education is so interesting and important, right? Like for instance, we have this woman uh, called, uh, her name is Elizabeth Rollman, right? When we were asking her about her Sanskrit education in the United States, right? And how do people look at her, right? Uh, she said, well, that's just taken as one discipline, right? Do they think that you're great because you've done Sanskrit? She says, no, nobody thinks of that at all, right? Yeah. Of course, in India, if anybody says that, well, they're studying Sanskrit, many people look up to them as uh, very great. Yeah. And the question is, what kind of Sanskrit are they doing? Right. If they're actually doing Sanskrit, they will be uh, totally against whatever is going on in the country today. Right. Yeah. Because uh, Sanskrit is larger than what is called religion. Right. And Sanskrit is a different kind of and it's questioning and you've got different kinds of things about it, right? Yeah. So uh, the question is, we can be bigoted, we can get narrow-minded, we can, uh, uh, so you have all these kind of things that are going on, right? 
uh, and he's saying you have different kinds of ways of thinking uh, and different kinds of people, right? Yeah. And the idea of the dissenters is because they taught in a different way from what I am thinking, right? Yeah. And that's important, right? Because when we meet all these people who think in one way, right, that immediately makes us think of, again about our method of thinking, right? Yeah. And that's why in a democratic system, we all have to think in various ways and be uh, uh, equipped enough to deal with other people's difference, right? The minute that doesn't happen, that's the end of us, right? We are not democratic, one. Secondly, we are bigoted and we don't consider another person's point of view or another knowledge system, right? Which, of course, we've done in India for a long period of time, right? Yeah. What are the, what are the knowledge systems of the Dalits and the tribals and anybody who is not our caste or our community, right? What, are, what is their kind of knowledge system, right? So that's a question for us also. And that's why this is a very important kind of point that Hazlitt is raising over here, right? Yeah, and the idea is, uh, he uses his word spiritual pride or intellectual coxcombry, right? The coxcomb is the kind of uh, uh, the, the, the flap that a cock has on its head, which was used as a kind of showing, uh, people actually used that and they were called coxcombs in uh, medieval France, uh, not medieval, in, uh, in the Enlightenment France, right? So you have the coxcombs, right? And the coxcombs are people who think very much about the intellectual prowess, right? And they're always the intellectual ones who come up with some statement, right? And then have an answer to everything, yeah? So she says, that's a bad idea because the minute you do that, you're not listening to other people. You're not listening to where they come from. You're not listening to the difference that they have with them, right? And life is about enjoying the difference of other people and enjoying the difference and the variety of life, right? Yeah. So uh, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I observe you have got a way of speaking to your fellows, uh, school fellows as that whore, that Harris, right? And so on, as if you mean meant to mark them out for particular reprobation or did not think them good enough for you, right? It is a bad habit of speaking disrespectfully of others, for it will lead you to think and feel uncharitably uh, towards them. Ill names beget ill blood, even where there may uh, be some repeated trifling provocation, it is better to be courteous, mild and forbearing than uh, capitious, impatient and fretful. The faults of others too often arise out of our old intemper or through, although they should be real, we shall not mend them by exasperating ourselves against them. Treat your playmates as Hamlet advises Polonius to treat the players according to your own dignity rather than their deserts. If you fly out at everything in them that, that you disapprove of, think done on purpose, propose to annoy you, you lie constantly at the mercy of their caprice, rudeness and ill nature. You should be more your own master. Right? Yeah. Now he's going back 
and he's talking about Shakespeare, and he's talking about Polonius and the players. Yep, and uh, uh, so he's saying, don't use, this is what we do in India, right? And I was watching Sairat, and one of the characters is called Langdea, right? Yeah, and everybody calls him Langdea, right? Yeah, and this uh, person is a protagonist, he says, well, he must be having a name. I can't call him this, right? Yeah, how can I call him Langdea, right? That's basically rude and mean, right? And you have this kind of meanness which we have in our societies, right? Yeah, and he is not even talking that, right? He says, that man, okay, right? When you say, oh, uh, that's a guy, okay? And you take the names or they call them by the surname, right? Yeah, and that Harris, right? Uh, yeah, he's not worth it, right? So don't stick a label on people, right? Because remember that people make mistakes some of them are not aware or not uh, not capable of doing anything else, right? So when you label them and you kick them, right? Of course, you have D.H. Uh, Lawrence, who's, uh, who's an English writer, who says, when you label me, you negate me, right? Yeah? And just look at what all is going on in India today, right? We call people urban axles, we call people anti-national, we call them all those anti-secular, secular, all that kind of thing, right? Pseudo-secular, right? These are all a way of negating people, right? Of course, the most interesting way of negating people is saying, you're mad, right? Yeah? So when I give you a label, I'm already negating you. And that's, of course, something that Lawrence says much later, right? But what is interesting over here is, uh, Hazlitt is also telling us that, look, when you name people, and you label them, right? It gets begets ill blood, and it gets a bad kind of spirit between you, right? Yeah. And then he's saying maybe it's a trifling provocation, right? Because as we are young, some things irritate us more than others, right? And as we get older, we are we pay what you call a Nelson's eye to a lot of things, right? Yeah. And of course, I'm not saying uh, pay a Nelson's eye to everything. Right? Because uh, there are things that are important to actually uh, look at and fight for. Right? Yeah? So that's something else that he's talking about. Right? And uh, yeah, so he says, when you look at people's faults, it happens actually that they're not in fault, but we are in fault and we are in a bad mood or we have a bad temper. Right? And therefore, we look at these people as uh, uh, we fix a certain kind of uh, uh, character out of a person and after that we exclude them, right? So he's still talking about exclusion, right? And the uh, question is uh, uh, the idea of treating people with respect, right? Something uh, so treat everybody as according to dignity, according to your own dignity, right? And that's something important, right? Because in India, we don't treat people with dignity or the idea of dignitas is not even a part of our mental kind of uh, composition, right? Because we have a caste system, right? And if we had to actually treat every human being with dignity, we can't have a caste system, right? Yeah? If you have a caste system, uh, it means definitely that we, we don't treat everybody as dignified and uh, we don't treat everybody with dignity, right? And that's, of course, I don't know how to deal with it because uh, when we're talking about dignity, uh, okay, the caste system might be there, but at least 
can we talk to a human being without considering their caste right can we take them as equals and human beings right so that's the only way uh, we are dealing with dignity and everybody has equal amount of dignity if we are believing if we actually believe in a democratic world right if we believe that some people are supposed to be lower than us and some people are supposed to be higher than us right then uh, i don't think we can talk about dignity at all right yeah and it's only when uh, people think that my dignity is uh, betrayed right because this person didn't invite me for their birthday or their wedding or whatever that is right then that's a kind of shallow way of looking at dignity right yeah right but and the question is uh, uh we're talking about standing up for your position right yeah like for instance when uh, modi was the chief minister of gujarat and he was going to karkare's uh, karkare was shot and killed in 2611 by the by what is that guy's name kasab and all those other gang of people who came into bombay right and karkare was uh, the the uh, very senior police officer right and he was killed right and uh, you have his wife uh, when she was informed that modi is coming to visit her he was chief minister then right she said please tell him not to come because i don't want him here right i'm going to slam the door in his face right yeah so that's a question of dignity right because i don't want the politicians the politicians are taking away my dignity right they are uh, I, and i don't require the politicians and what are the politicians going to do for me right yeah so that's a question of thinking of dignity and there are different ways of thinking of what is dignity right and of course the classical example is of diogenes the naked philosopher right and alexander the so called alexander the great goes to diogenes who is a naked philosopher or the masturbating philosopher and he is lying in the sun right and alexander says tell me uh what do you have to say about me i'm going to be the leader of the world and all that kind of big jazz right and diogenes says please move out of the sun i'm taking a sun bath right yeah so that's that's a kind of uh way of how do you look at dignity right and diogenes has nothing right not even the clothes on his body right yeah and he is talking to this man who is supposed to be a great great man called alexander the great yeah and of course so that's when we are talking about dignity and we are talking about how do we preserve our dignity do we have any dignity left right when we bow down to governments when we bow down to politicians when we bow down to people who are in power do we have our dignity left right and democracy is about dignity right or do we don't do we not have any dignity at all right when we bow down to these people who are absolute cutthroat uh politicians right yeah so i think uh, that's something else that our education has to teach us that's what hazlitt is saying right okay uh, so you, okay so you have do not begin to quarrel with the world too soon for bad as it may be right yeah and the question is well the politicians are corrupt the politicians are rascals but what's the use of quarreling with the world too soon and having barriers erected right so when we are looking at the speech we are looking at uh, this letter we are looking at how balanced it is is it balanced at all right yeah and he saying well have your dignity right but also be 
aware that don't have too many fights and too many quarrels with too many things because everything is going to irritate you if you are actually very sensitive, right? He's saying be sensitive but not too sensitive, right? Uh, it is best we have to live in here. If railing would have made it better, we would have had been reformed long ago. But as this is not to be hoped for at present, the best way is to slide through it as contentedly and innocently as we may. Right? So he's saying, well, it's important to fight, but it's better to be peaceful and calm instead of being stupid and going out and fighting and fighting all sorts of wars which uh, may not affect us if we just leave them alone, right? Or the English, in English you have an expression, let sleeping dogs lie, right? So if the dogs are sleeping on the road, you don't want to irritate them, right? Yeah, so let them lie and let them go to sleep, right? The worst fault it has is want of charity or the Marathi one is even better, right? Which says, Chikla Made Pai right? That is, why should you put your feet into the mud, right? Yeah, when there's a problem, let it be. Okay, don't put your uh, feet in because you'll get dirty in the whole process, right? Uh, yeah, these are expressions, but of course, as Hazlitt says, we have to use them in discretion, right? And we have to use our judgment and take some things and chuck some things, right? which is not easy to learn, right? And that's why we need rationality and we also need a fair, good, fairly good idea of who we are, what we are, what we are standing for to choose what to chuck and choose what we don't chuck, right? The worst fault it has is want of charity and calling knave and fool at every turn will not cure this failing. Consider as a matter of vanity there that if there were not so many knaves and fools as we find, the wise and honest would not be those rare and shining characters that they are allowed to be. And as a matter of philosophy, that if the world be really incorrigible in this respect, it is a reflection to make one sad, not angry, right? So he says, if you look at everybody as a fool and a cheat, right? Yeah, and uh, that's not even worth it, right? Because if you do that, uh, what would the world be? If everybody was not a fool and a cheat, right? Who would be wise people, right? So he's saying, just look at it and the idea of philosophy, right? That is, we're going back to the idea of Plato who says all human beings are good, right? And whoever is, you might consider bad is because of ignorance, not because they're bad, because they're ignorant, right? Even if you call somebody a murderer and a criminal, right? They're ignorant people, right? You can take uh, Hitler or Pinochet, whoever you like, right? These are ignorant people. They're not bad people, right? That's how Plato would define the world because all human beings are good inherently, right? Yeah, so that's a very philosophical position and that's what he's saying. We may laugh or weep at the madness of mankind, right? Yeah, and actually we have to feel sad and not angry, right? Okay, yeah, and all that is happening in India today, many people are angry, right? And what is actually happening is very sad, right? Because it means that our country is going back and 
will take about 500 years to set the damage that is done just now, right? Uh, right, yeah? And whether you like what I say or don't, think about it, right? Because uh, in the long run, all of us will be dead, but the people who come after us, right, uh, will have to put up with a lot of narrow-mindedness, uh, stupidity, right, which is being generated ar along, uh, along communities and is dividing the country, right, socially, even more than it was uh, 50 years ago, right? Uh, yeah, so he's talking about all this. We may laugh or weep at the madness of mankind. We have no right to vilify them for our own sakes or theirs, right? So he's talking, uh, yeah, you might laugh at human beings, okay? Or uh, we might cry, cry for them. But even that, these are extreme kind of positions, right? Yeah, and uh, misanthropy is not the disgust of the mind uh, at human nature, but with itself. Or it is lying, laying its own exaggerated vices and foul blocks on the door of others, right? Now, when you talk about a misanthrope, right? A misanthrope who is a person who cannot stick human beings and humanity, right? And of course, you have a very interesting playwright of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rasi, right? Yeah, yeah, the misanthrope, right? And he's actually talking about, uh, when you're talking about a person who actually hates the whole of humanity, right? And finds that human beings are disgusting, right? Yeah, so when you get to that position, that's again a, a problem with the mind in itself, that's what he's saying, right? And uh, you think that human beings, or all that human beings do uh, is disgusting, right? When the other point of view is, all that is human is not alien to me, right? Yeah. When you get cannibalism, right, or you get extreme form of sexual behavior, right, all these things, or you get a lot of corruption, right, all these things are not alien to human beings. Because when we look at history and we look at the human being, right, through history, we get all kinds of uh, the extreme uh, methods of operation uh, for the good and for the ill and all those kind of varieties of people. Right? We have, for instance, we have somebody like Caligula, right? With all his extreme kinds of sexualities uh, and uh, uh, power-hungry nature, right? Yeah? And history, when you look at history, we see a whole range of bad rulers and a whole range of good rulers, right? Maybe we don't talk very much about the good rulers, right? And uh, the good rulers are talked about a little less, right? But the bad rulers are always remembered. Right, and that's what is it even more interesting, right? And the idea is, if we hate human beings, then uh, what are we, right? We are also human beings, and misanthropes are people who actually have a big problem with themselves, and therefore they look at the world as hateful and human beings as hateful, right? Uh, yeah, uh, right. Do, do not, however, mistake what I have said here. I would not have you, when you grow up, adopt the low and sordid fashion of palliating exi existing abuses or of putting the best face upon 
the worst things, right? So he says, don't change things because uh, it's not about uh, pretending to be something that you're not, right? Yeah, and don't go and choose something that's bad and make it look as if it's something that's good, right? That's something that uh, we tell people when they write SOPs, that statements of purpose, right? Yeah, when a lot of people uh, say, uh, actually try to disguise a weakness as a strength. Yeah, so he's saying, don't take up something that's actually bad and show that it's good, right? Yeah, so that's again, uh, of course, artists might like to do this, right? Yeah, they like to maybe not have a bath for uh, many, many uh, months or live a kind of a bohemian lifestyle, all those kind of things, right? To some extent, you can do, right? And you can be tolerant too, right? But if, when it becomes extreme, it becomes difficult for other people, right? Uh, yeah, and uh, I only mean that indiscriminate, unqualified satire can do little good than those uh, who indulge in the most revolting speculations of human nature do not themselves always set the fairest examples or strive to prevent it, its lower degradation, right? Yeah, so you can be against the system, but the question is, don't let it go to the lowest, right? Yeah, uh, they seem rather willing to reduce it to uh, to fairest, no, sorry, to their theoretical standards. For the rest, the very outcry that is made, if sincere, shows that things cannot be quite so bad as they are represented. Okay, so you are talking about uh, hatred of things, right? So he's saying theoretically we can have an issue with something, right? But are things as bad as they are represented, right? So you represent something in a bad light and you might, uh, you have to see whether is it the real thing, right? Or is it an exaggeration, right? Yeah. So you can uh, say that, well, there's a horrible government, right? But what is the actual picture of it, right? So be realistic. Is my time up? Because I think people are leaving and going. Yeah, maybe I've overshot. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. And uh, from uh, Monday, can we have a class at uh, the time when you have your foundation? I hope all the people of foundation have finished. Yeah, because then we'll get three more lectures, right? Okay, uh, if you like, you uh, respond in the group, right? Yeah, so we can get uh, three more lectures in a week because this is a long S lecture uh, lesson at least. Yeah, and we've got uh, many more things to finish, right? If we want to do it properly, otherwise I can say it's done and I don't want to do that, right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah.